Hello everyone and welcome to the December 18 edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skarin and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled that the exclusive remedy was not applicable to an employer assault. Here's what happened in the unpublished case of Lee versus Yang. Yong Hyun Lee and Hyun Yuk Lee and Esther Lee are former employees of the Christian Herald, a corporation they allege is solely owned and was managed by their former boss, Yun Yang. Yun Hyun Lee was a reporter while Hyun Yuk Lee and Esther Lee were administrative assistants. These three plaintiffs filed suit against Yang and the Herald asserting five wage and hour claims. Hyun Yuk Lee asserted three additional causes of action for assault and battery and intentional infliction of emotional distress against Yang and premises liability against the Herald arising out of alleged physical confrontations with Mr. Yang. As to these claims, Lee alleged that on two occasions Yang physically attacked her. Specifically, she claimed Yang threw a cellular phone at her and grabbed her, causing injury to her arm and body, and pushed her against a door, causing her to hit her head on the corner of the door and lose consciousness. As to the tort claims, she sought compensatory as well as punitive damages. Yang argued that the tort causes of action failed to state a claim because workers' compensation was the exclusive remedy for injuries sustained in the workplace. The trial court concluded that the alleged facts do not fall outside of the scope of the exclusive remedy and the workers' compensation statute. But the workers appealed from the judgment entered in favor of Yang after the trial court sustained his demurrer demurrer to the first amended complaint without leave to amend. The Court of Appeal reversed the judgment in part in the unpublished case of Lee versus Yang. The Court of Appeal reasoned that the Labor Code provides an employee may sue his or her employer where the employee's injury is proximately caused by a willful physical assault by the employer. These allegations were sufficient to survive a demur on the cause of action for assault and battery. SB 17, which was signed into law this year, requires pharmaceutical companies to notify health insurers and government health plans at least 60 days before certain scheduled prescription drug price hikes and to explain the reasons behind those increases. And now the trade group representing U.S. drug makers has filed a lawsuit to stop California from implementing this new law aimed at reining in prescription drug prices. The Pharmacal Research and Manufacturers Association, also known as Pharma, initiated federal litigation in California challenging SB 17, which it alleges is an unprecedented and unconstitutional California law. Pharma argues that SB 17 attempts to dictate national health care policy related to drug prices in violation of the United States Constitution. Farmer requests that the court permanently enjoin the state from implementing or enforcing those provisions of the law. Specifically, the complaint alleges that SB 17 violates the Commerce Clause, which prohibits California from regulating drug pricing beyond the state's borders. 
and the First Amendment by compelling speech by manufacturers justifying their price changes, as well as the 14th Amendment's Due Process Clause because it says the law is unconstitutionally vague. Pharma claims that this law therefore expressly saddles the entire country with California's misguided drug pricing policy by imposing restrictions on the national list price of manufactured medicines. It also alleges that the law does not address the large rebates and discounts insurance companies and pharmacy benefit managers are receiving and that are not always passed on to patients. Further, the advance notice requirement would incentivize prescription drug arbitrage by effectively creating a buying window for selected entities to stockpile products before price increases go into effect. It says the law creates bureaucracy, thwarts private market competition, and ignores the role of insurers, pharmacy benefit managers, and hospitals in what patients pay for their medicines. And now our crime report. Beverly Hills radiologist Ronald Grust and two of his corporations, California Imaging Network Medical Group and Willows Consulting Company, were convicted by a federal jury of fraud and bribery charges in connection with a massive health care fraud scheme involving the California Workers' Compensation Program. After a seven-day trial, the jury found that Dr. Grust and his companies guilty on all charges facing them, including conspiracy, honest services mail and wire fraud, health care fraud, and travel act violations. According to the evidence, Grust and his companies paid kickbacks for patient referrals from multiple clinics in San Diego and Imperial Counties. He negotiated these kickbacks for various medical services including MRIs, ultrasounds, shockwave treatments, toxicology testing, and prescription pain medications. Another of Groose's companies, Willow's Consulting Company, funneled the kickback payments to these directing the referral. Records presented at trial showed that Groost paid over $100,000 in bribes to secure the billings for hundreds of patients, with bribes paid on a per-patient or per-body part formula. He was ordered to return to federal court on March 12 for a sentencing hearing for himself as well as both corporations. Since 2009, Dr. Kroost and his various companies have filed tens of thousands of liens in the California work comp system, seeking reimbursement for hundreds of millions of dollars from multiple insurers. To date, any outstanding liens have been stayed and will be sent to lien consolidation for dismissal proceedings as a result of these convictions. The jury could not reach a unanimous verdict as to Groost's administrator, Gonzalo Paredes, who was ordered back to court on January 4 for a hearing regarding a retrial. Dr. Groost, Mr. Paredes, and the corporations were originally indicted by a federal grand jury in November 2015 in conjunction with Operation Backlash, which was a long-term proactive health care fraud investigation targeting corruption and fraud in the California workers' compensation system, and that program is continuing. 
Since then, nearly 40 individuals and corporations have been charged with crimes, including doctors, attorneys, marketers, and providers of medical services and devices. California Imaging Network Medical Group operated clinics throughout California in San Diego, Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, Fresno, Rialto, Santa Ana, Studio City, Bakersfield, Calexico, East Los Angeles, Lancaster, Victorville, and Visalia. The Riverside Grant, uh, County District Attorney's Office is seeking an arrest warrant against Carlos Valencia, the employer of two men who were fatally electrocuted in 2016 while pollinating palm trees in thermal. The investigation into the deaths of Osvaldo Cerrone and Ernesto Hurtado found that Valencia, who is the owner of Valencia Trimming in La Quinta, misclassified employees to make their jobs appear to be lower risk to his insurance provider and lied about employee pay. Valencia thus allegedly defrauded his insurance carrier of about $100,000 and cost the state more than $35,000 in unreported payroll taxes. Saran and Hurtado were electrocuted while pollinating palm trees while using a truck with a boom. Hurtado was man uh, maneuvering the boom when the bucket carrying both men made contact with the power line. Mr. Saran fell from the bucket to the ground where he was found dead by a third employee. Mr. Hurtado remained in the bucket, which caught fire while the group waited for the power company to shut off the power line. He was electrocuted and burned. According to the district attorney, Mr. Valencia misreported both pay rate and worker classifications to the state compensation insurance fund. Valencia reported his payroll under landscaping and not tree trimming, a classification that lowered his insurance rate prior to the deaths of Mr. Cerrone and Hurtado. Valencia later admitted to the state fund that no landscaping operations are performed by his business. The state fund also found that Mr. Valencia never reported any payroll rages to the Employment Development Department, which is California's largest tax collection agency. A Lake Elsinore woman who worked as a teacher in the Los Angeles Unified School District has been ordered to pay more than $92,000 restitution after pleading guilty to insurance fraud. 48-year-old Sheila Marie Green was sentenced to eight years in custody, two years in county jail, and six years of mandatory supervision after she pled guilty to insurance fraud. She was also ordered to pay over $92,000 in restitution to three insurance companies. While working as a teacher in the Los Angeles Unified School District, Green submitted claims on several disability insurance policies she had obtained that would pay benefits should she be injured and unable to work. For each claim, Green forged the signature of a payroll employee with the LAUSD on documents stating fraudulently that she was not working. However, an investigation conducted by investigators with the school district and the Riverside County DA's office showed that Green was working while also receiving disability benefits. 
During a search of Green's vehicle, investigators found copies of the documents with the forged payroll employee signature, as well as paperwork with numerous practice signatures of the LEUSD payroll employee. The right to a jury trial is a pillar of America's justice system, enshrined in the Constitution from a tradition dating back more than a thousand years. But the problem these days is making sure jurors stay awake. Last week, federal judges in two New York trials, one involving charges of sanctions evasion, the other concerning allegations of corruption in international soccer, dismissed jurors who were dozing off. In a typical criminal trial, 12 jurors in a boxed area listened for hours at a time to testimony with a few breaks and a lunch hour. And some trials last several months. During jury selection, the judge and lawyers interview prospective jurors to find biases, including questions about hobbies, news sources, and other topics. Lawyers say they watch for prospects already napping during jury selection. But there are no concrete rules for when a judge should dismiss a juror for sleeping. Lawyers say it depends on how long they were napping and whether they snoozed through crucial testimony. In one current trial, Manhattan federal prosecutors are seeking to convince a jury that a Turkish banker is guilty of helping Iran evade U.S. sanctions. The testimony is focused on emails, spreadsheets, and wiretapped calls, mostly in Turkish and translated by a live interpreter. The alleged scheme is so complex, prosecutors asked one witness to draw the banks and front companies involved on a large sheet of paper. By the end, the witness had drawn a maze of boxes connected by multicolored lines and arrows to indicate the money flow. One juror was visibly asleep throughout the first week, his head propped in his hands or rolled onto his chest. Occasionally, he awoke to sip water or jot notes before resuming his nap. His eyes were closed during much of the government's most important witness testimony. Late last week, U.S. District Judge Richard Berman dismissed the juror, telling the court he was really sound asleep, not just dozing. In another Brooklyn federal court last week, U.S. District Judge Pamela Chen addressed a somnolent juror in the trial of three former South American soccer officials accused of corruption. And the judge said, As I am speaking to you, you're yawning. And she told the juror that he seemed to be asleep and struggling to stay alert. The juror collected his backpack, beanie, and glasses and was excused. So veteran attorneys have strategies to combat lethargy, asking the judge to take a break before an important witness, place less exciting testimony in the morning, not during the post-lunch food coma, and walk close to the jury box and speak loudly. Judges may make eye contact with a juror next to a sleeper and motion to elbow that person awake. The government and defense are generally careful not to call out a sleeper in open court to avoid embarrassment and turning the juror against one side. Former prosecutors say jurors may suffer shock when sitting through a trial for the first time and realizing it is much slower paced 
than trials portrayed in television shows such as Law and Order. These are all good tips as California prosecutors face long criminal trials in workers' compensation fraud cases. And in medical news, the use of cell phones has increased dramatically in recent years, including among children and young adults. These phones put out radio frequency, or RF, energy. Some scientists and public health officials believe RF energy may affect human health. And now, the Division of Environmental and Occupational Disease Control of the California Department of Public Health has published a guidance document that lists some of the potential health concerns and provides guidance on how people can reduce their exposure. And certainly this may be an issue in future workers' compensation claims based upon the effects of cell phone use. The scientific community has not reached a consensus on the risk of cell phone use, but the California Health Department said research suggests long-term extensive use may affect health. Although the science is still evolving, some laboratory experiments and human health studies have suggested the possibility that long-term high use of cell phones may be linked to certain types of cancer and other health effects. This might include brain cancer and tumors of the acoustic nerve and salivary glands, and headaches and effects on learning and memory, hearing behavior, and sleep. The guidance documents concludes that these studies do not establish the link definitively, however, and scientists disagree about whether cell phones cause these health problems and how great the risks might be. But those people who want to reduce their own and their family's exposures to RF energy from cell phones, despite this uncertainty, can follow some simple steps. Do not keep your phone in your pocket and move it away from your bed at night. Parents should consider reducing the time their children use cell phones and encourage them to turn the devices off at night. Also, reduce the use of cell phones to stream audio or video or to download or upload large files. Products that claim to block RF signals are not the solution either. Experts say these may actually increase your exposure to radio frequency energy. And in regulatory news, CalOSHA has cited three contractors over $147,000 for safety violations after investigating the collapse of a temporary mold or formwork and vertical shoring at an Oakland construction site that sent 13 workers to the hospital. These workers were pouring concrete into elevated formwork when the shoring system supporting the formwork collapsed. The workers fell some 20 feet along with freshly poured concrete, reinforcing steel, timber framework, and tools and equipment. Some were able to get to safety on their own and others were assisted by firefighters. When emergency crews arrived, workers were using shovels to dig their colleagues out of the wet concrete. The Oakland Fire Battalion chief said earlier on, Site workers did an excellent job of extricating their fellow workers before the firefighters arrived and took over. He also said the cement was kind of like quicksand 
and rescuers used plywood and planks to reach trapped workers so they themselves would not sink. The injured were taken to hospitals for cuts, bruises, and strains, but no fatalities or major injuries were reported, except one worker's injuries did require surgery. Employers must identify, evaluate, and correct unsafe working conditions and follow all requirements to prevent employee injuries and illnesses. Cal OSHA's investigation found that the formwork and vertical shoring system that collapsed were not properly designed and installed or inspected. The agency issued serious and serious accident-related citations to subcontractors, subcontractors, Largo Concrete Incorporated and NMN Construction Incorporated for $73,000 and $70,000 respectively for failure to ensure that the formwork and vertical shoring were designed safely to withstand all intended loads and for failure to have calculations and drawings approved by a California registered civil engineer as required for vertical shoring over 14 feet tall and failure to ensure that the shoring supports were erected on a level and stable base. CalOSHA addresses safety requirements for concrete construction and vertical shoring in its CalOSHA Pocket Guide for the Construction Industry. And in other industry news, a new report published by Research and Markets says that the healthcare analytics market is expected to reach nearly $30 billion by 2022. This would be a substantial increase of the roughly $9 billion market in 2017, producing a compound annual growth rate of 27.3% increasing government initiatives to increase electronic health records adoption, growing pressure to curb health care costs, availability of big data in health care, increasing venture capital investments, rising focus on improving patient outcomes, and technological advancements are driving this growth. On the other hand, factors like the lack of skilled analysts, the high cost of these solutions and operational gaps between payers and providers are expected to limit the growth to a certain extent. The healthcare analytics market is segmented into descriptive, predictive, and prescriptive analytics by type. The prescriptive analytics segment is expected to grow at a highest average rate during the forecast period. The high growth of this segment is attributed to the ability of prescriptive analytics to ensure the synergistic integration of predictions and prescriptions. Due to the rising focus of payers on the early detection of fraud and reducing preventable costs, the market for fraud analytics also is expected to register a significant growth during the forecast period, therefore driving the market for financial analytics. North America is expected to account for the largest share of the market, followed by Europe. The report also includes an in-depth competitive analysis of the key players in the market, along with their company profiles, recent developments, and key market strategies. 
According to the AM Best Company special report, the U.S. workers' compensation industry experienced more financial impairments during a 17-year period from 2000 to 2016 than any other property casualty line of business. Best defines impairments as being situations in which a company has been placed by court order into conservation, rehabilitation, or insolvent liquidation. Overall, 354 property casualty insurers became impaired during the 16-year study period. The workers' compensation sector accounted for 26% of the impairments. Commercial lines insurers represented 22% of the impairments. Specific causal factors were identified for 91 of the impairments with fraud or alleged fraud as the leading cause and present in 23 of the impairments while 21 impairments related primarily to affiliate problems. Catastrophe losses, largely in Florida and Texas, were responsible for 18 impairments while 16 companies suffered impairment after experiencing rapid growth. The study concludes that there has been a significant decline in the number of impairments that the company has been involved in rating in recent years. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkCop Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Floyd, Skern, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. And please drop by again next week for more news.